Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. This is Kim of Black Free Thinkers. Again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. And again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. We are Black Free Thinkers, but we are not the Kanye or Candace Owens Khan. And it's interesting because we will be talking about Kanye for a minute or two in the show today. But today's is basically entitled Progressives, Democrats, and a Swarm of Flies. And I, basically I wrote and put here, please join us as we discuss progressives, Democrats, and the swarm of flies that are buzzing about. Some people say that you can get more flies with honey than vinegar. Truthfully, you can attract the most flies with big steamy piles of shit. You know that and I know that. Both ruling class establishment parties have been dumping on the black and non-black people of color communities from the very beginning, and I don't see it ending anytime soon. They have not pushed any meaningful long-standing laws or policies that are long overdue to the black community. Why do we continue to support them? The mass media is very responsible for the three-ring circus that we are currently navigating. So let's help them out. We should start trolling them back because they started it. As I have stated before, we should strive to be best. I have some suggestions for 2024. I'll delve into that more, you know, later on in the show. So it's been a lot happening. I didn't do a show last week. I didn't realize it was Super Bowl weekend until Raina called me um, the night before. But it was also the one-year memorial of when I laid my mom to rest. So I was out at the cemetery, and I... I knew I wouldn't feel well after I came back from the cemetery, taking flowers out there and everything. So it was probably best that I didn't do a show because, you know, I've been really weepy the past week. And so this happens. It's only been one year, and I don't think I'll ever get over this, you know. But um, I'm not even going to really get into that because ah, ah, it's just it's hard. That was very, very hard. So anyway, as I was saying, basically the mass media, you know, which is the audience, is very responsible for the three-ring circus that we are currently navigating. And I talked about this three-ring circus specifically in 2016, and the mass media is the audience taking the pictures of us, those of us that are in the three-ring circus, right? And, and they get a kick out of this. They get a kick out of this, you know. They get they raise advertising money. They they build up their credibility. Um, there are some people that decide that you know these political pundits and the mass media folks are experts when they're not. They've gotten a bunch of things all wrong in last election, 2016, with the election of the Cheddar Tater Tot, should have taught you all that. You know, even Nate Silver was wrong. So that whole thing was really interesting. So, um, you know, before I go on with the show, again, I've been told that I should ask for money, right? So if you want to PayPal me some money, you can go to paypal.me slash blackfreethinkers, spell it all out, B-L-A-C-K-F-R-E-E-T-H-I-N-K-E-R-S. Or you can do Cash App, Dollar Black Free Thinkers, or Venmo, Black Free Thinkers, Send me money because I'm getting ready to change the format of this show. I'm seriously getting ready to change it. I'm going to start a Patreon. We're going to start putting the things on um, YouTube. But I'm going to record these shows 
and then I'm going to edit them down basically from 20 to 45 minutes, and that's what will be on Blog Talk Radio, which will carry over to iTunes and Google Play, and once I set up Lip Sync, it is feed over to that as well as Spotify. You'll be able to get the longer shows on the Patreon, you know, um, um, account. So if you have a paid Patreon, you know, you can get the longer show, some exclusive videos, some exclusive shows, things of that nature, because there are some projects that I want to do and take on. And, you know, I've been out here for a while. I've been giving you all free content for a while. And I know you're listening and I know you're taking it because I see you recapitulating my talking points. And it's really interesting for some of you that stopped blogging and podcasting during my downtime from 2015 really up till now, how you stopped blogging. But now you're starting to pick it back up and you now you're having talking points. You know, that is not a coincidence and it's not lost on me. I see you. At least pay me. Right? And so that's how I see that. And so... This is coming up soon. We're going to be making some major changes. Like I said, I'm going to um, put together another show. There's another show that will be coming out and then possibility of a third show that I will be collaborating with um, a young man by the name of Eric. You know, we're talking about collaborating a show and putting that out there. So that's still possibly in the works, um, and he's supposed to call in today. But, you know, there is a lot to cover, but let me, you know, let me talk a little bit about this year of be best, you know, since they, Melania and Trump, you know, this is their thing, be best, you know, it's really interesting because you have some people out here that are angry with Trump, they call him a jackass, and, you know, well, whatever, that's what you want to call him, that's what it is. But since he's being best, he's not a jackass. He's not a good jackass. He's not a decent jackass. He's the jackassiest jackass. That is how you be best. And looking at some of the events that have transpired over the last couple of years, hey, why not be best, you know, whether it's positive or negative. You know, I gave you an example of be best on the last show when I was talking about the rumors about Boosie knocking George Zimmerman straight on his butt and I said that was be best with a question mark. And I talked about how you can have good be best, bad be best, questionable be best, but just be the damn best, right? And so, you know, that made that incident with, well, no, it's not an incident. It was an act of violence coming from Snoop towards Gail King. And then seeing the people that were jumping on that particular bandwagon, it was very troubling for a number of reasons, and I'll get to this. But, you know, as I've mentioned briefly before, you know, since the press has been trolling us from day one, you know, we should start trolling them best. You know, I have some suggestions for the 2024 election. And I know some of you are like, wait, wait, Kim, you you jumped all the way to 2024. With 2020, we don't know what the hell is going to happen with this. And, you know, I've made myself quite clear where I stand, my choices as it stands now are Warren and then Sanders with caution. But I will say that Steyer, his performance in this last debate was, you know, rather, he did rather well, actually. And so it's just really interesting to see, but I mean, he's still a billionaire. And to a certain degree, he is still purchasing his way into this election, not at the same, not 
to the same degree of Bloomberg because Bloomberg is a straight-up oligarch. You know, Nina Turner was correct. They got angry with her, but she is absolutely correct. Bloomberg is a textbook oligarch. And see, since the Democrats are looking at this and they're not able to push Biden as strongly as they want to, now this is why you're seeing them push Buttigieg and eventually Bloomberg. Because at this point, Bloomberg has invested a lot of money into the Democratic Party. And so I just need for you guys to pay attention to that. But let's go back to, you know, be best. And the 2024 election, you know, I suggest the hashtag vote for the worst 2024. And I may end up voting for Kanye after all, because, again, he's running for 2024. And at this point in time, I just see the entire electoral process as a joke. And when I say that, I'm talking about not only the federal, I'm talking about the state, I'm talking about the local, all of it. Because, again, people have misguided anger to a certain degree. A lot of that anger, resentment, bitterness, and vitriol that we see people, you know, heaping upon the president as well, you know, basically they deserve, the presidents do deserve some of that. However, the majority of that belongs to your local officials, your state legislators, your federal legislators. It belongs to them because they are the one that create the laws and pass the laws. That is what they do. And the changes that we're out here demanding, they can make them happen. And they do make them happen for the right people and the right groups. And so, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious when I say, when I talk about the Kanye thing, but actually not so much. You know, um, Kanye is serious about this, you guys. And for those of you that are out there laughing at him and saying, oh, no one's going to vote for him, oh, he can't be serious, that's what you said about the cheddar tater tie. And look at what's happening now. And this is one of the reasons why Raina and I, we were begging you to not laugh and to not turn this into a joke. But, you know, if Kanye is going to win, you know, at this point, I would like to make some suggestions to him. He should make Kimberly Daniels his press secretary. And for those of you who are not familiar with Kimberly Daniels, she's a pastor and, and, uh, and elected official in Florida, right? You can look her up. And basically, she told a congregation, a church congregation, I thank God for slavery. And if it wasn't for slavery, I might be somewhere in Africa, Africa worshiping a tree. So, you know, I'm saying this, Kanye, God told me to tell you to make the demon buster your press secretary because she thanks God for slavery. So you and her kind of have that in common, right? So making her your press secretary will put a smile on my face and laughter in my heart. Go, Kanye, be best. And that is my little love song to Kanye today. You know, hey, be best, darling, if you're going to do it. Do it right. Do it well. So the next few upcoming shows, basically, I think next week, I'm going to talk about the black church and how basically, you know, how they've bullied their congregation, how they've bullied black voters to a certain degree. And now what's happening is 
you have the Cheddar Tater Tot in his administration basically purchasing black votes. So the Republicans, you know, being led by Daryl Scott, are going to these black churches and having these rifles. I posted this article on my wall, as well as the Black Free Thinkers and the People of Color Beyond Faith pages. All of this was in the last two weeks. So go back, scroll back, and take a look at that. But basically, they're going to the black churches, and they're giving out money, having these giveaways and, and these raffles and all of these things. And they're buying the black vote as much as they possibly can. And we've talked about, you know, faith-based initiatives. We talked about how that was started by George W., and we talked about how Obama was supposed to eliminate that, but the black pastor sat him down and had a nice little conversation with him. And that immediately went away, and that particular office remained, you know, part of the Federal Register, if you will. And now what's happening with the Cheddar Tater Tot is he has now put Paula White Kane over that particular office, right? And they've been basically, you know, giving money to these churches under faith-based initiatives, and that is how they've maintained some relationship with these churches and influence some of these pastors and ministers to basically encourage and in some cases bully their congregants into voting for certain people. However, the Cheddar Tater Tot has taken this to a new level because he didn't abolish the Johnson rule, but he relaxed the hell out of it. And now these churches and these pastors are able to get in a pulpit, use their bully pulpit, to preach politics and to encourage and bully their members into voting for certain people. I mean, some of the best examples, Kenneth Copeland, his daughter, you know, her husband, you know, um, there are quite a few of them. You know, even Bill Winston, you know, up there in the Chicago area in Forest Park and a number of these other megachurch pastors. We already know about Rod Parsley and we know about Pat Robertson. You have um, Franklin Graham. And, you know, a number of these folks, I mean, I can name them like clockwork, but again, you know, they've relaxed that Johnson Amendment. So that allows them to preach and teach politics in the pulpit without any recourse from the IRS. And there's a reason for that. In addition to that, they are now changing some of these rules to allow these churches to become political action committees. And that's very important for you guys to know and to understand and to do your research and look it up. Like I said, don't take my word for it. You know, trust but verify. I want you to go and do the research. I know exactly what I'm sending you out there to find. And I also know what you're going to find in addition to what I'm telling you to look for. And what happens is when they allow these churches to become political action committee and you have all of these campaign dollars being flushed through these churches, whereas it's not being regulated, and some of these churches are changing from 501c3s to 501c4s and 5s. In the 501c4s and 5s, you do not have to disclose who your donors are. So you never know who donated the money 
how much is there, how much is really being given to these political campaigns. So in essence, this is just another payoff. I need you guys to look at this and to pay attention and to do your research on these things because, again, these are very significant changes, and they have an extremely strong impact on the church. You know, that prosperity gospel, that word of God, you know, I'm sorry, the prosperity gospel, the word of faith churches, right? They are doing nothing but 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 teaching and preaching hyper-capitalism. And that's all it's ever been, and that's why it is dangerous. But the thing that's even more dangerous than all of that is their members don't realize that they are the capital. You know, they're not capitalists. You're not a capitalist. You are the capital. And they are benefiting from that. They are benefiting from having you in their congregation. They're hedging their bets because they know you're going to listen to them and you're not going to question the word of God, you know, or the, the man of God as well as the word of God. You need to pitch it. There's a lot of psychology behind these things that are happening. So that's why next week's show, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to go into this in depth because you really need to know what's happening out here and how you're being used. I still find it interesting that Kirk Franklin and a number of the other black Preachers, celebrities, singers, etc., are out here and they're angry at these white people that own these, you know, these these networks, you know, television networks and all of that, that they basically, you know, they jockey for position to be able to be a part of that particular network. So when the white owner basically is saying that he's pimping these preachers, pastors, ministers, artists, musicians, etc., you get angry at that, but that's what's been happening the whole time. And the thing is, is that you don't even want to acknowledge that you are pimping your audience. You are pimping your audience. You are pimping your parishioners. You are pimping the general public, all of these things. And there's a lot that's, that goes on with that, but I'm just giving you a heads up. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Okay. The week after that, we're going to discuss white, basically woke white people and white people trying to get their regular white people status back, right? And basically what I mean by that, basically you have these non-traditional white people that want their regular white people status back. You know, um, scenario number one, Pete Buttigieg, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later because that's in my notes, but we're going to talk about that. You know, and I posted some articles, and, you know, let me see here. I posted some articles, and I really need for you to go and read these. You know, one article was Consequences of Perceiving God as a White Man. Another article, New Study That Shows Racism May Shorten the Lives of Black Americans. Another article was How a Racist President is Trying to Woo Black Voters. Another article, Black Professor Unleashes Flood of White Tears After an On-Air Clash Ensues When Guest Says That the British Empire Wasn't All Bad. Another article, Beware of Those Drag Happy Allies Who Thrive on Public Attention. And the last article, Dear White People, The Bill is Tolling for You. Go back and read those articles. They're on my Facebook page. They're on the Black Free Thinkers Facebook page. They're on the People of Color Black um, People of Color Beyond Faith Facebook page. It is out there, and I also posted them in a couple of groups, so you should be able to find them. And um, you know, go back and you read that. It's important that you read that, and because I'm going to be talking about these things. 
not only on this show, but the next three upcoming shows. So the third show, the week after that, I basically will be coming back to the black community and talking about neoliberalism, how it's failing, and how black and non-black people of color played a role in, in, in exalting and heralding this neoliberalism that is pretty much killing all of us. And so, you know, I've been talking about having that conversation about how black people and non-black people of color, how they've played a role in white supremacy and how we help to continue to perpetuate that. And, 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 you know, again, you know, when we talk about these things, that's not to say that black, brown, red, yellow people are exempt because they're not. You have some black people who are, you know, some of the most anti-black people I've ever, anti, you know, have some of the most anti-black rhetoric that I've ever seen, right? And so, you know, a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, you'll have people getting angry with you or me saying, well, you shouldn't be talking about that in public. Why are you airing the dirty laundry? I mean, it's, it's, I'm not the only one talking about this. And I still find it interesting, the people that want to shut me down and that want to shut down what I have to say. That's not going to happen. You know, and so I'm telling you guys, I don't got my second wind. You know, I'm recovering from some of the shit and the blows that I've been dealt, especially in the last two years, my goodness. And, you know, I got a bunch of shit to talk about, and I'm going to talk about it. Why? Because I've been writing it down and saving it up. Okay, so a lot of things that I didn't get a chance to talk about, oh, it's coming. It's coming. So like I said, go out there and you can subscribe or follow or like the Black Free Thinkers page as well as the People of Color Beyond Faith page. Or you can even follow me. What I find interesting is I, I see people, you know, they'll come over and they'll Facebook friend me. So, you know, only thing I can then unfriend me the same day or a day or two later, right? And the only thing I can think is that they think that I'm posting things that are not open to the public. All of my posts on my page are open to the public, and I do that on purpose. So if you just want to see what the hell I'm talking about, go ahead and do that. You know, you don't have to Facebook friend me. I mean, when you go away, it doesn't bother me. I don't care at all. But I'm just trying to save you some time and some frustration as you scroll through weeks and months of what I've posted and you come away with nothing. So I'm just trying to help you to help yourself, right? So, again, check out my, my page, but especially the last two, three weeks. And there are some... Um, links up there that are very important that I think you need to read. And also, there are some of you that have Facebook friended me, and you're just waiting for a chance to troll me or to say some old rude ignorant shit. This is not the, like I said, this is a superlative year. This is a year of be best. I'm just going to block your ass. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to ask for clarification. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, expound on anything. You're just gone. And I'm debating on whether or not I want to block all mutuals with you as well. You know, so you have that there, you know. So, hey, I have no problem doing that. My block finger is itchy. Give me a reason. So, uh, and stop inboxing me. You know, I get those drive-by inboxes. 
you know, you'll you'll call me the N-word or say some other rude shit, and then you block me. And so I, I just, I think that's interesting. I think it's funny, actually, because I sit over here and I laugh about it, if you want me to be honest with you. You know, I laugh at you, and then, you know, it's just, please save yourself. Please save yourself some frustration. It does not anger me. I don't get mad, no, none of that. It's funny. And to be honest with you, I think I'm going to turn it into a segment on the show. So when you do shit like that, I think I'm going to say your name and all that other fun stuff out. So, you know, all your fellow, you know, folks that got all this shit to say, they can they can congratulate your ass, right? So, yes, you know, people getting angry because I'm hurting their feelings, you know, talking about racism. I'm making you uncomfortable. As I've stated before on many, many occasions, it is my job to cause, to cause you discomfort. That is what I'm supposed to do. That is what this show has been built on. And if you did not know that, if you do not understand that, I don't understand how. Because I go out of my way to piss you off. So let's take all the surprise out of it. I know exactly what I'm saying. And when, I, when I'm serious about it, you know I'm serious about it. And sometimes I'll say that oh, I'm being facetious, but yeah, not really, but okay. Right? I'm very honest about who I am. So if you're going to you know, get your feelings hurt, you're over there feeling butt hurt, go do that on your page and do that in your own group. Stop trying to join my group, white people, because I'm going to decline every time. And I'm still going through, you know, some of the members because it's like I'm not quite sure. And I'm going to start booting you out. Because it's like you, you join these groups and you do these things because, again, you're trying to center yourself. You're trying to monitor what we're doing and what we're saying, and you're trying to regulate it. Go regulate your own damn shit. All the other pages and groups are yours, but you're hell-bent on controlling mine. And not only my group, but also the, page, the pages, my wall, all of that. Fuck you. That's all I can really say because it's like I don't understand what you think you're doing. You know, the only thing you're doing is basically throwing more mesquite briquette into the fire. So I don't know what you think you're doing, but you're amusing the hell out of me. So keep on doing it and watch what happens because, you know, I've just gotten to the point. I believe that you can't help yourself. You know, you must center your feelings and your thoughts and demand that we agree with you. And most importantly, you demand that we educate you. And that's just not going to happen. Send me some money. And then, you know, because it's like I have a whole bunch of shit that I want to talk about, you know, um, you know, and and (laughs) a bunch of people that I want to interview. And then I'm going to start extending invitations and coming on the show because now that I kind of got my health somewhat under control, and oh yeah, I don't need the pacemaker, at least not for now. So we're going to figure something else out. But, you know, um, yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, it's about to get real freaking interesting around here. And uh, 
you know, I just have a whole bunch of to say about a number of things, but never, never in my entire life did I ever think that I would have to talk about Snoop, Bill Cosby, Kobe Bryant, Oprah, Gail, and Susan Rice in the same segment. How the hell does that work? So, like I said, over this past week, it's been really interesting. And I understand, you know, Kobe died tragically. And I'm not taking that away from him. I mean, if I'm going to be honest with you, I have more sympathy for, you know, the young people that died on that trip, you know, in that accident there. But um, what's happening now with Snoop in that video and the violence, the absolute violence that he showed toward Gail King is ridiculous. You know, so Snoop, I mean, you want to go and shut some folks down talking about you're coming after them. Well, let me make some friendly suggestions to you. Let me tell you some of the people that maybe you should go after. You know, Erdogan, President Erdogan, you know, that guy from over there, over in East Europe, that guy. Well, his security team loves beating up protesters. Why don't you go over there and fight them? And let your security team hold your bong, your you know your jug of gin juice, and let them sit back and watch you do the damn thing since you're so big and bad, Snoop. Go fight them. How about calling up your local libraries and have them stock up, you know, the book Punching Nazis and Other Good Ideas. Have them stock that up and then read it, you know, and then go and punch some Nazis. Some Nazis, some white nationalists, white supremacists, some of the woke white people, some of these tofu dashiki activists, you know, they have a Grandmaster Flash outfit that you can fit. Go punch some of these racial realists and some of these alt-writers because apparently you have plenty of time, right? Call up the Cheddar Tater Time. Call him a buckethead or a bitch. Do it on Twitter and do it directly at him so that his followers and all of that, so you can get all the pushback and you can fight them, you know, because I'm here for that. I'll watch that shit and laugh all day long since you have all of this time on your hand and you big and bad, but you want to punch up and, and talk shit to black women, right? Why don't you just admit that you hate black women? It makes it a lot easier. You know, how about you go out and you attack these white feminists that are absolutely reveling in Kobe's death? And I'm just going to go on out here and say that Kobe raped that white woman. And he apologized in a written statement. No matter what you all say, that statement is real and it, it, it acknowledged her pain. However, when I, while I do acknowledge that this happened... I am in no way supporting these racist white feminists that are out here showing their true colors all over the place. They will always choose their proximity to whiteness or their proximity to white men every time. That will always win. And that is how we got Trump in office because they're 53%. They're part of the 53%. 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. You had some people out there that were saying that, you know, and, and, and that they were saying that they were going to vote for Bernie Sanders over Elizabeth Warren. And then the reporter was asking them questions. And then the reporter was like, well, Elizabeth Warren is closer to your ideology. Why don't you vote for her? And they just looked at that reporter like they had three heads, right? 
So, I mean, that speaks a lot. So, yeah, no, I have no love for these white feminists out here. And I'm not supporting what they're saying about Kobe Brown necessarily, right? Because, you know, it is drenching in white pathology or white supremacy, as some of you all would say. But I think white pathology is more apropos, right? So, you know, I'm just saying, Snoop, if you want to punch, punch some of them. Go over there. Talk to them white feminists like that. Let's see what happens then, right? You know, I have all kinds of suggestions. How about you go out and find who really killed John Bonet? Go to lunch with David Duke in a cheddar tater top because you all seem to hate black women. I mean, I'm sure you got a lot to talk about, right? How about this? Why don't you go slap Martha Stewart and then go slap Dr. Dre? That's something you could put on your list. Right? How about finger paint? That's always fun. There are other things you can do. Move somebody's heavy furniture, right? Or better yet, this is what I strongly suggest that you do first. Why don't you go and make some jello pudding in prison wine with Bill Cosby? That should be fun. You and Martha, go on over there and make some jello pudding, you know, in that prison wine. What they say, add ketchup to it and then it becomes a rose. That should be first on your list. I think I'd watch that show. You know, hell, you can come over here and shovel my snow. You know, it's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do with your time. And I'm sitting back and I'm watching this, and I'm watching people lose their minds, especially some black people. So I'm sitting back. You know, you're angry because people are critiquing Kobe in, in, in that, you know, that particular incident that surrounds him and his legacy and you're getting angry and you're out here trying to fight for someone you don't know, Kobe would not have spit on you if he had seen you walking down the street. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like when Mike Tyson and Dr. Dre die. The hell? You're going to lose your damn mind. So, you know, I just still find it interesting that Snoop got some get right when Susan Rice openly challenged his ass. She didn't have to tag him because she knew that he would get the message and he would get it loud and clear. He begrudgingly issued an apology. It was a non-apology, but see, this is the thing. It was about to hit him in the pocket because CBS, they backed up Gail King. And his little show with Martha Stewart, well, isn't that on Viacom CBS? So this shit was about to, you know, hit him in the pocket. And what's interesting with Susan Rice, yeah, you know, there are some people in this world that you really just don't want to fuck with, and she's one of them. So I just find it interesting how he got some get right real quick behind that, you know, because, you know, Oprah made some statements of video, and you had people out here reveling and and just happy that she was in obvious pain. And was hurting about this. And Gail is in pain. And she's hurting about this. But you're happy that they're upset. That says a lot more about you than it does about them. And I don't understand how you think that that's okay. You know, and I'm just like, you know, what the hell is really happening? What's going on? So it should be interesting watching how all of this plays out. Just because he issued an apology, that does not mean that he's sorry. It does not mean that 
you know, he, he's not going to encourage other people to carry out his threats. And again, this is violent because you had people basically bandwagoning that shit, right? So you had them piling on, and now you have Gail King walking around with a damn security guard. All over somebody that you don't know. Who didn't give a damn about you? I don't understand. So anyway, you know, um, you have some aspiring documentarians out there and writers. You know, I'm waiting to see which ones of them are going to go and find the women, because there's more than one, that have had issues with Kobe. And, oh, yeah, for your information, FYI, non-disclosure contracts are very hard to enforce. And now that he's no longer with us, now that he's deceased, you're going to see some people coming out the woodwork and saying some shit. So you better brace yourself because some of you are out here having apoplectic fits about this. You know, you better make sure you get your heart medicine right because your ass going to fall the fuck out when all this other shit starts coming out because it's coming. It definitely is coming. So be ready. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more. You know, if you want to add to the conversation, you can dial in 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. I see we have 601. If you're ready to talk to me, 601, press 1 to let me know that you're there, and I'll bring you into the conversation. But it is so much, so much to talk about. And I just need for you guys, like I said, to pay attention to what's happening. You know, they just had um, a march in D.C., in Washington, D.C., yesterday on the National Mall, and again, you know, these things are happening, and you need to pay attention to it. You need to pay attention because, you know, there was a gathering in Budapest for the Day of Honor, and this was a large gathering of white nationalists and this global white nationalist movement. This is very real. This is very real. Look at all the havoc that they caused in Virginia and how they arrested several people that are, you know, again, white supremacists, white nationalists, alt-writers, you know, whatever the hell you want to call yourself, you know, it's all part of that white pathology, right? And, you know, they're claiming that they now view these white supremacists as, you know, they're not viewing them and categorizing them as being as violent as ISIS. I don't necessarily believe it, but that's what they're saying. But they are out here and they are reigning, you know, and, and, and they are being violent with impunity because nothing's going to happen to them. They have the police escorting them, you know, they get these permits, and, and, and then, you know, the police... <laughs> attack the protesters, you know, the people that are protesting the white supremacists, you know, this white pathology, right? Pay attention. And what happened in Virginia, that's still not done. And I need you to also pay attention that this is happening in other states that are passing these gun laws as well. They're happening in other states where people are protesting these, you know, Confederate monuments and all of these things. 
And they, these people want to keep those Confederate monuments and, and all of this stuff erected. Why? You know why. I know why. And so this just kind of goes into how, especially white men, how they are coddled um, and they have that entitlement, you know, that privilege, all of those things. And basically they have been told that the world is theirs. And so when you have like these these alt writers and these racial realists and you know these white supremacists running around, you know people try to make excuses for them, especially white women saying, oh, well, they're just misunderstood young white people or misunderstood white men who got shortchanged and had a rough life. They're not supposed to have a rough life. They're supposed to have it easy. That is what they've been told, not only by their parents and the people around them, but this is what's being told by the media. And, you know, and, and, and <laughs> how do you deal with that? Right? So they feel like they had, they were shortchanged, that they had a rough life, and, and, and that they deserve the absolute best and fuck everybody else. And if the other people have it, go and take it from them, and nothing will happen to you. This has happened time and time again in this country. And when it doesn't work out the way that they want it to work out, they get upset and then they want to go and harm communities of color, communities that are not a threat, right? You know, but they got to take their frustrations out on someone. And this has been pervasive throughout the history of America. And it happens now still. Don't act like it was something that happened in the past. It's still happening. And so don't let these people do these Jedi mind tricks on your ass. They know exactly what they're doing. They play dumb very well. They just think that you're dumber. And that goes back to when I talk about that white mediocrity, you know, being being heralded as being standards of excellence. And what makes the white mediocrity so, so you know, insulting to the rest of us is that we know that it's white mediocrity, but as long as it's white mediocrity mediocrity said with confidence, then it is a standard of excellence that no one else can touch. And it's just, it's amazing, absolutely amazing, you know, and, and we know that the easiest group to harm are black people. And that's not to take away, you know, the, you know, how women are being harmed. I'm not taking anything away from that. How disabled people are being harmed, LGBTQ people. I mean, there are a number of different groups out here that are being harmed in some shape, fashion, or form, right? But the thing is, is that the easiest target are black people, black and brown people, but primarily black people. Because, you know, as I've stated before, who cares about the blacks? The black people, they're long-suffering. Oh, they'll get over it. It's not an emergency. It's not important. Well, we'll get back to them eventually. You know, look at what's happening to Flint. And the water crisis in Flint is not even the worst one happening in this country. And if you notice, many of these pundits and these politicians and these celebrities ain't had shit to say about Flint lately. And this is one of the reasons why I say you have to pay attention to some of these movements because it's fashionable and it's trendy to be a social justice activist. It's fashionable and trendy 
to be a feminist. It's fashionable and trendy to be, you know, an atheist or a humanist. It's fashionable and trendy in some circles to be gay or bisexual or queer or trans in certain people's eyes because they see it as, oh, well, this is what everybody is doing. I'm going to do that. And then when when it's no longer, quote, unquote, trendy or popular, then they revert back to their old fucked up ass thought processes and ways. You know, so that's not a hit on people that are out here that are truly pro-social justice. It's not a hit on people that are out here that are LGBTQ. I believe that sexuality is fluid. You know, be who you are, all of those things. But I'm talking about the people who are doing these things for public acclaim, that are doing it for public attention. And, 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 and they're just exploiting these particular, you know, groups and communities. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. But it does. And so, again, you know, with black people, we are expected to extend forgiveness. We're expected to preach forgiveness from the pulpit to the press conference. And I said something about that on my wall when I was talking about never Buttigieg, and I mean that never Buttigieg. So I don't give I don't give a damn. I don't care about who gets angry, but what I'm saying is the truth. You know, let me see here. Six oh one. When you're ready, press one. You ain't pressed one yet, honey. So I can't pull you into this yet. <laughs> but um, man, or maybe send me a text message on my phone if you want me to um pull you into this conversation because I know who this is but um, child like I said you know the whole thing I just sit back and I just watch it and I'm like just trying to figure out what's really going on I know I'm not the only person who sees this and sees what's going on and what's happening you know, in this country as well as around the world because this is not exclusive to America. You're having these same issues and problems in, you know, pretty much every damn other country, you know, um, especially, you know, people who are dying or vying for public attention. And that's why I always say you have to pay attention to these people who exalt themselves, and throw themselves in front of the camera and the microphone in a public setting because many of them, they're only in it for themselves. They're only in it to ingratiate themselves to other folks, to enrich themselves. You know, this is why I have some of the issues I have with some academics and public intellectuals because basically your entire education makes you, in your words, a subject matter expert in that particular study or discipline that you've chosen. And you write and you give talks about whatever it is that you may be talking about. Let's just say, you know, African-American studies. And you've studied African-Americans extensively. And I'm talking to, you know, black and white and non-black 
people of color, academics, and public intellectuals, you know, you talk about these particular subjects, you, you study these people, African-American, I'm talking about that specifically right now. You study them, and you talk about it all the time. But I don't see very many of you going out to the community that you've studied and trying to help. In addition to that, you know, I've always talked about how academia is, you know, that entire system is just racist as fuck. And it's easier for a white person to get tenure or to write their papers, whether it's their thesis or their their dissertation on, you know, the atrocities of what has happened in the African-American community. And they're able to do it, you know, with ease. And that's because they're not reliving that pain. They're not reliving that trauma. They, they don't have to sit back and think about how their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents lived through that shit and how they're living through that shit now. And so, you know, when, when I don't see these people giving back to the communities, whether it's the black community that they've studied whether it's the brown community, the red community, whoever, or even the poor white community. When I don't see you giving back, but yet you want to capitalize on what you've studied about these people and, and then get angry because people aren't buying your books and people aren't coming out to hear your talks and all of these things, um, why should they? You know, because the thing is, is that you're not necessarily trying to talk to the people who have been disaffected, the people who have lived through that trauma, who suffer. You're not trying to talk to them. Your audience base is not that particular group of people. Your audience base, the people that you're attempting to engage are, again, other academicians, right, um, other public intellectuals. You know, people from the academy, you know, whether it's administration or, you know, colleagues or what have you, and and rich white donors, pretty much. That is who you're engaging. That is who you're ingratiating yourself to because you want the money, and I get it. No one wants to live in poverty. No one wants to live in squalor, but if you made your name, in your money off the backs of these disenfranchised communities and groups, you have an obligation to give something back and to go out and try to help solve the problems. See, we have all the studies. We have all the papers. You got people down here that have these solutions. Let's implement the shit. Where is the praxis? Where is it? So anyway, that's not what I was wanting to talk about right now. But you know, once I go there, I go there. But um, it's it's. Oof. So anyway, you know, white pathology is an illness, and Kahinde Andrews was correct when he talked about the British Empire, and by extension, also America and these other Western countries, right? And I'll give you a quote from the article. I gave you all the articles earlier, but in this particular article. Um, he's talking about whiteness and white people. So I'll just quote, all of this is a quote. Whiteness is a psychosis. You can't have a reasonable explanation. Andrew's bold statement unleashed a downpour of white tears from co-panelists Piers Morgan and Susanna Reed, who accused him of being racist, 
Their critiques didn't deter him. Whiteness is not just for white people. There are black people, Asian people, who also purport the psychosis of whiteness, Andrews continued. It's about the idea. It's about the fact that in the 21st century, 60% of British people believe that the empire was a force for good. That's like saying the Nazis built motorways so we should celebrate them. It's literally an irrational view. When an obviously incensed Morgan asked Andrews if he was comparing the British Empire to Nazi Germany, the professor clarified his point. Piers Morgan and Susanna Reed react to Dr. Kahinde Andrews referring to whiteness as a psychosis. He said, you're right. There is no comparison, Andrews responded. The British Empire did far more harm to the world for a far more sustained period of time. Reed and Morgan were not the only ones upset by Andrews' comments. Twitter was flooded with people who missed his point. And that is absolutely true. And go out and read that article. I'm trying to scroll back up so I can tell you the name of the article again. It was Black Professor Unleashes Flood of White Tears After On-Air Clashes Ensue When Guest Says the British Empire Wasn't All That Bad. So there is that right there. So, you know, a lot of interesting things happening. You know, um, Democrats trying to force Buttigieg, Biden, Bloomberg, and to a certain degree, Klobuchar, all of them shit. I mean, let's just call it what it is, because the black and brown candidates basically were forced out of the race. And if you're up here and you're contemplating Klobuchar, she was also a prosecutor. You know, that was a lot of the criticism that was hurled at Kamala Harris, right? And, you know, just look at what just happened. They acquitted the cheddar tater tot, right? And all I have to say about that is black people knew that was going to happen. We weren't surprised. You know, I'm tired of seeing white people run around saying, that's not the America I know. Hmm. Why are black and brown people, you know, indigenous people, we're not none of us are surprised by what just happened. But what I will say is rich, elitist white folks, specifically if you're a Democrat, watch out because he's coming for y'all now. I mean, he's having folks walked out of the White House. He recalled Sondland. He is mad as hell, and he's coming for y'all. And so he was already angry and resentful of, you know, the white people who have rejected him over the years. You know, some of the celebrities, the politicians, you know, um, other business, white business people who did not accept him and, um, you know, his hillbilly family, um, you know, very angry about all of that. And now he's gunning for you because you did not accept him and you did not cover him. You did not cover him with all this, you know, bullshit that's coming from this White House. So now, you know, you don't gave him an eye, impeachment, the eye, and that's on his permanent record, right? 
you know, it would be different if it was I for incumbent, right, which he will get that in a few months, right, but it's an I for impeachment, and he is not happy because he says that goes on your permanent record. That's not good. So he is not happy, and so he is coming for all of y'all in D.C., all of you that came for him, now he's coming for you, and that's why I laugh because, you know, this is this is bound to go down in flames, right? So, you know, just in general, I laugh at people who go out here and gloat and say, you came at me and missed. Baby, all I got to say is wait for it because it's coming. It is coming, and I got the popcorn. I got the chicken wings. I got all that ready so I can watch this shit and laugh my ass off. And, you know, some people are like, well, Kim, how can you say that? How can you feel that way? Look, black people are fucked one way or the other. It's just some of you are going to fuck us with KY Jelly, and some of you are just going to go straight the fuck in. Period. But either way, we're fucked. And we know this. And this is why I say black people do not have any friends. And it's a lot of misguided anger. A lot of that anger should be going to your local, your state, and your federal representatives because they are the ones that craft and create legislation. They are the ones that pass the legislation and the laws. They are the ones that could make a difference. But instead, they deflect and have you pay attention to the president and all these other people up there that are just as culpable. I'm not saying that they're not culpable. Please understand where I'm coming from. But, yeah, now we're getting ready to see the cheddar tater tot. You know, he throws a little bit of shade, but, you know, he is a, man, he is a straight pitcher. So he is coming at you all. He's a straight shooter. He's come, He's going to throw the kitchen sink. He's going to throw spoiled eggs and anything else he can find. He can, he's going to throw them at the Democrats as well as certain Republicans. So this is going to be good. Why? I ain't got no dog in that fight. I already know that I'm screwed. And there's nothing I can do about that, really. And you're like, oh, well, Kim, just go vote. Vote blue. You know, if Buttigieg is, you know, the nominee, you should vote for him. No, fuck that. No. That's never going to happen. I'm not going to do it. So, hey, (laughs) get mad. All the freak you want, you know, it's not going to change anything as far as my thought process is concerned, right? Because, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. You know, um, just pay attention. Um, Pay attention to what's happening out there. Um, yeah, it's important that you do that because what's happening now is they're playing political theater and they always have been, but I'm just hoping that you all have become smarter because in this age of information, ignorance is chosen. Now, there's a lot of bullshit out there on the internet and you have to be able to differentiate between what's real and what somebody is writing out there 
just to be an asshole or to spread disinformation or whatever, you know, may be motivating them. You know, but this political theater that they're playing is very underwhelming and it's amusing nevertheless. You know, I, I need for you to understand that. You know, Nancy Pelosi tearing up that speech, it was all an act. Because, look, you got to remember, she gave him money for that border wall. She's given him money to militarize the damn galaxy with that Space Force crap. You know, she gave him money to have Mexico and these other countries harm these migrants. And, and many of them that are being deported back to the country where they came from and some are being deported to countries they've never been in, don't know anything about. A lot of these people are being killed and they are disappearing. That is the result of some of these policies. And if you don't believe me, I want you to go out and do a search on how the United States is paying money to Mexico to, to discourage the migration. You know, we are paying them to stop these people, and now they're paying other countries to stop them as well. Pay attention to what's happening over in Guatemala and Honduras and these other places. You know, because what's happening is the United States is no longer sending money to help these particular countries. So what does that do? That increases their desire to migrate to America because the situation has gotten so out of hand in the countries that they live in. And some of you are like, well, how does that, you know, why are we responsible to help them with what's going on in their countries? Because we went over there and started the shit, kicking their people out of office. Look at what's happened in Venezuela, kicking their people out of office and installing the ones that we want in office. Pay attention. And it's not just America doing that shit. Hey, you know, go back and look through history. Look at what Belgium did to the Congo. There are many other examples of that. Many other examples of how, you know, what's happening with this. You know, take a look at what happened with Argentina in their damn economy. University of Chicago economists. You libertarians out there. Tell us, you know, the part that you played in that shit, right? So, you know, and, and basically, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the Orange Cheddar Tater Tot, all of them, they're pretty much on the same damn page about many of these things. And this is being, you know, basically this particular narrative is not being played out or not being, it's not being, you know, discussed as it should be. And it's being lost in the translation. But, you know, the difference between the cheddar, the cheddar tater tot and these progressives and moderates and liberals and libertarians, you know, basically the difference is the cheddar tater tot says it out loud. But these other ones, they act upon it while smiling in your face, right? The same shit. And what I want you to pay attention to, well, better yet, ask Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and, and many of these progressives. Oh, okay, many of these progressives, um, you know, how they feel about having their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren living next door to black people, attending school with black and brown children, or hell, even poor white kids. Come on now. Ask them. 
All right, we got Eric on the line here. Yay. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing, Kim? Hey, I'm doing good. What about yourself? All is well? All is well. All is well. I, I pressed one because you started talking about Space Force, and I got kind of upset because you, you messing with my trip to space. <laughs> oh, so your name is on the list. That's what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, basically, yes. Yes. And I, I, I don't want you to mess that up. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, like we were talking about the other day, you know, all these movies, you know, have been precursors to, you know, like, what did you say? You said they've been precursors basically to prepare us for what is going to happen and what is happening now. And it's just really interesting yeah. because, yeah, but go ahead. Talk about it. Oh, no. I, I well, We talked about it. I was just saying that basically – you know, a lot of times you watch certain movies, and it's funny because they always show different things. They go, well, this TV show, or like when Donald Trump became president, they uh, some people used the meme, and they were showing Donald Trump in Back to the Future, uh, one of the epi- one of the series, one of the one of the movies of Back to the Future. Uh, I don't, it wasn't a trilogy, but um, <clears throat> they had Donald Trump as president. And a lot of people are saying, you know, Back to the Future predicted it. But a lot of times it's almost like we're indoctrinated with a lot of information that seems like a lot of stuff. Um, you have people that, you know, the first female president, you see a lot of that in TV and movie series. So they're, they want to desensitize you to it or get right. you used to the idea of, the, of that as a possibility. Um and we we basically been it's been done for years. You know we're worried about a centralized government or a government that tells you what to do, how to think, and that's what we're living right now, especially in politics, because you have some people who are you know well Trump said this and I believe this, and you know you could put all of those things out and lay it out on the table, and you have people who refuse to believe it. They, you know, they, exactly. that's just the mindset. So we, we're in a society that's already being programmed to like and dislike certain things. You talked about Kobe, and you have people taking sides. The fact of the matter is he got caught in a, in a, in a situation that put him in court, um, and he had to pay for that. He was, a, you know, just married. I think he was newly married. Oh no, he wasn't married. I think he was dating the girl at the time. But I, whatever. No, they the were married. Was, but yeah, they were married. Okay. She was about to divorce that ass. He bought her a five million dollar ring. Yeah, that's what it was. He bought her a big ring, and everything <laughs> kind of went away. But we, you know, we're upset. And I understand no one wants to bring up old memories or old things of, of people that have passed away. Um, but I'm of the mindset that that's a distraction to me. That's not something that I need to be worried about because what he did is what he did. We all know what he did, whether Gail, Oprah, or whoever talks about it. That has nothing to do with what's going on in society today, and that's part of the problem. We are so caught up in what what needs to be done, you know, with with Gail and you know riding her back that we're forgetting about the certain things that are going on in uh. In the rest of the world, and and that's basically right. how you know, 
what they want you to do. It's kind of like, you know, uh, like you said, some of these people are getting on Facebook and they're, 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 they're telling you how you should think about it, whether it's Snoop Dogg, Ricky Smiley, um, any of these people, you know. It, right. I listen to them and my, the first thought is, what does that have to do with the state of, you know, of people of color in, in the United States and in the world today? What does it have to do with anything that really affects us? And it, it really has nothing to do. To me, it's a distraction. You know, you're either going to focus on that and be caught up in that for the five minutes that it's going to last, or you're going to look beyond that and start dealing with some of the things that you talk, you know, even some of the things that you're talking about right now. For instance, you talked about, you know, um, the, you know how Trump is acting in the, in the office, and he's saying, you know, and dealing with some of the, pre, the, the politicians. And like you, you know, it's been long said that you know in politics, the Democratic and Republican parties are both, you know, they're both fangs in the, in the head of the same snake. They work deals together. Right. They get on TV and they bash one another because they think that they know that you will side with one group or the other, as opposed to dealing with the issues. You know, we we don't deal with the issues the way we need to. And we're so exactly. caught up in the the what is it the reality show of it all that we we're no longer we don't we don't focus on the the real issues you know you're mad at Trump for saying all these things but you're not saying anything about Betsy DeVos and how she cut millions and billions of dollars out of education exactly. federal funding from education so what what. What is there to do now when you have situations like that? You're worried about Trump being impeached. We're so politically ignorant of it, we don't even know what impeachment means and how it will, how it affects us, or whether it affects us at all. We want him out of office, but we're not willing to do what we should be doing to get him out of the office. So, and, exactly. You know, we, and- we go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I was just going to say, and, you know, people aren't paying attention because, again, the Democrats are doing everything in their power to not allow Warren or Sanders to win the nomination. And this is because their corporate sponsors do not like Warren or Sanders. You know, and this should sound familiar to a lot of people because it's not just only happening with this, 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 uh, this race for this nomination, but this happens in your local organizations, your local school boards, your local community you know, organizations. And this scenario plays out pretty much in every area of your life. You know, let's just say some of your local, you know, you were involved with a, a local community group. Right. And and you say something that some of their white supporters take an issue with. And basically the white supporters will go to your local community organization head and say, basically, if you don't get rid of this person or you don't shut them up, we're going to stop giving you money and we're going to stop supporting you. And at the end of the day, for a lot of people, it is about money. And what I was what's you know, what's what a lot of people are sleeping on with the Democrats is that the Democrats are moving more and more to the right. And people are like, well, why are they doing that? They're moving back to where they used to be. And you need to go and do your research on the Democrats and the Dixiecrats, how all of that happened and how, you know, the blacks were voting Republican, right, before, 
But you also, if you're going to go back and you're going to read about that, I would advise you to go and read about the black codes as well and how basically these southern states started passing the black codes to re-enslave black people. So that's why I posted that article talking about the 15th Amendment and people needing to understand. But with the Democrats moving back to the right, they're going back to where they came from because you need to understand how, you know, the importance of states' rights as we know it now, which is another, you know, um, you know, another buzzword that they're using, but it's another indicator of whiteness, but how that came about. And a lot of that came about with FDR and the New Deal. It was a federal program, but in order for the New Deal to be passed, he had to basically push it down to the states and allow the states to administer and determine who was eligible. The social safety net, as we see it now, was never meant to help black, brown, red, and yellow people. You know, it was primarily meant for, you know, working class whites and and soldiers, you know, the military guys. And what happened is through, through that program, that is how they established the middle class. Right. So when you hear these politicians and these media pundits talking about working class people and middle class people, they mean white people because black people were never expected to be upwardly mobile. But the Democrats are moving further to the right to where they are or where they used to be. And that's why they say that, you know, Warren and Sanders are too, you know, leaning too far to the left. No, that's not necessarily true. It's just that they're trying to get back to their roots, which is why they are trying to appeal to those independents that voted for Trump, to those Democrats that voted for Trump, and even some of the so-called deplorables that voted for Trump. They're appealing to them to get their votes because they, they, they want those people to know that they care about them, too, while these you know, while the DNC, the Democrats, are not investing any money really into black communities and not so much into brown communities right now because they're too busy trying to win back those white voters. It's important that you guys understand and you pay attention to what's happening. And this should all sound familiar to you guys. You know, and so that's why they're doing their very best to push Biden, Buttigieg, and Bloomberg. Go ahead, Eric. I was gonna say because I was just I just saw an article that talked about Bernie Sanders and they basically were saying well Bernie is part of the one percent and you know I, I have to laugh I laughed at the article because you know you, you pull stuff on social media and people are outraged at the fact that you know I should have known he was part of that he wants to be just like be just like us and I want to ask the I ask the question. What politician is not a part or affiliated with the one percent when it comes right. to their interests? They make money off of it. Um, you talked exactly. about, and I'll go back to um, the the Republican part. A lot of blacks don't even know, and I'm surprised that we're that far removed from it. But you know, we were Republicans up until the 1950s, pretty much 1950s, exactly. early 60s. Um, and, People forget that the reason why blacks voted Republican was because of Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, that they, you know, he was the person that freed the slaves, even though, you know, to me, I have a personal problem with that as well. Um, Right. So you had people who voted, you, as a black, you voted Republican. As a black, 
Democrats didn't care anything about you. The switch didn't happen until pretty much, like I said, early 50s, early 60s. I mean, late 50s or somewhere. The 50s and the 60s is where you saw the change in in, right. uh, in our allegiances. And only because a lot of the Dixiecrats became Republicans. And that's when you saw the change in the party, um, right. the Republican Party. But again, you know, uh, you have historians uh, who will tell the truth and say to you, you know, you've never been uh, seen as equals. Even Abraham Lincoln didn't see you as an equal. He just said, you know, you have the right to be free, but when it comes down to it, we're not equal. Um, right. We're, we're dealing we have to understand what politics is and how we're being used in the political process. Our, our place in the political process, for as long as we refuse to be a political action committee or a PAC or a super PAC, we will always be pawns in the game. Uh, we found that out more so with, uh, with Barack Obama because we were so, we were caught, again, we were told that he was not the president of black America. He was the president of the United States. So therefore, we had no right to expect him to help any help us out in any black situation. So we supported him without an agenda, and he right. made it available for us to support him in a, without an agenda. And the same goes with any other politician when it comes down to supporting them, regardless of who you you know. You talked about Buttigieg, you talked about uh, the other ones, uh, Warren, Elizabeth Warren, and all these other ones. They will placate to anything you need to hear in order to get garner your vote. But if you don't exactly. come with, you don't put together a pack and put some money together and say we'll support you if you can make sure that our needs are met and have an agenda, then right. they're just going to do what they normally do. They're going to come to your church, meet you in your neighborhood, shake and make it seem like they're part of your thing. Because even when now, if you forget when Hillary was running against uh, Obama. Before in the primaries, Bill Clinton came out and reminded people. Remember, I was your first black president, and people right. seem to have forgotten that. And he was trying to basically say, "Y'all need to be loyal to me, loyal to who? Remember who you who who helped y'all out in the beginning?" And we forget about you know the thing, the three strike law that he came up with. We forget about yep. the policies that they've done, and whether you're supporting Obama, you know whether you support. Uh, Warren, you know, Buttigieg, whoever it is, you should be more politically aware, and that's our problem. We're not politically aware of what these people are offering, what their real agenda is when it comes to uh, what we're what we want. You know, the problem the problem that people have with Trump is Trump tells you what you what he's going to do, and he does it, and exactly. you're sitting back. And you're mad because he said he was going to do it. Not, you know, uh, again, even with the impeachment, they argue, oh, well, we, we got to get him out of office. We got to impeach him. They sold everybody on the impeachment. Everybody loved the idea of impeachment, but nobody was aware that impeachment just is a slap on the wrist unless they decide to mm-hmm. try. Um, he got impeached. They told you up front when he got impeached. Because just like Trump was surprised he made he became president, they were surprised they actually were able to impeach him. Now that he's impeached, you were expecting him to get put out of office, and they've already said, no, it's not going to happen. We're not going to get rid of a sitting president. They said that from the very beginning. And now we're looking at it and wondering why he isn't gone. He's not going anywhere. And and 
down to a dollar right now, he will probably get a second term. Exactly. Because he didn't pay attention. Now we're sitting here, you're hearing about politicians like the president, you know, former President Obama coming out and saying, oh, well, your vote matters. Your vote matters. People, I want you to look at the difference between the Electoral College and the popular vote. Popular vote voted for Hillary. Period. Popular vote won the presidency for Hillary. The popular vote meaning you, the people. Right. The popular vote did not, the Electoral College, however, voted for Trump. So, and we still don't understand that process. We still have not picked up on the fact that either you change the, uh, the process by which you elect presidents, or you learn how to how to make it work for you. I, I just, exactly. I just don't. Either way, I don't. I don't get how we're we're totally confused by how this process works, um, and then not understanding that we are pawns in the game. Donald Trump, uh, no matter who it is, these people are figuring out ways to get garner black votes. And they've done it so much. They're, they're exactly. so good at it, you know, that we don't even see it happening. Exactly. And you're absolutely correct because um, we do need our own political action committees. We do need our own lobbyists. We do need, you know, um, policy to write out some policies and write out an agenda and take it to them and present it to them. And when and if they fail to, you know, work with us and to make some of these things possible, then we have to exact justice and vote them out. It's extremely important people to understand that we control that process to a certain degree, because what you're saying about the Electoral College is correct, because the Electoral College in and of itself is a racist institution. Basically, the Electoral College is there to basically set the story correct. And what I mean by that is basically to vote in such a way that white, male, wealthy landowners would vote. You know, if you go back to what happened with um, with Gore versus Bush, right, in 2000, Gore had the popular vote, and yep. they took it to the Supreme Court. And they and so that's why I say that the Democrats have been throwing their elections since the year 2000, you know, and that's why I'm saying 2024 vote for the worst, right? Because at this point, only thing, yeah, I don't, I know, I know, you know, I think that myself and and some other people out here are guilty um, to a certain degree about what we're seeing now. Because way back in the day, and you and I we talked about this about these television shows that you call into and you vote for that, you know, whoever's your favorite singer or performer or what have, dancer or whatever, right? So back in the day, there was this group called Vote for the Worst, right? And what they did is they would vote for the worst person on American Idol. Now, I fell into the trap, and that shit was hilarious. And we were voting for the worst and just laughing at the American Idol people losing their damn minds, trying to figure out how to stop us from doing that. To me, that was kind of, you know, a precursor to what we see now. And like I said, I still think that both, you know, established political parties, they don't give a damn about regular people. They only give a damn about those that they they consider the elite ruling class. 
right? And uh-huh. and basically that's that two top two percent. And the media doesn't help, but Donald Trump is in office now because the media put him there. And I strongly believe that the media was a strong factor in that, but notwithstanding the resentment and the backlash that white people had from having a black man elected president twice. You know, so I'm not factoring that out. That's part of that particular equation. But a large part mm-hmm. of that equation is the media giving Donald Trump a pass and giving him all of that free media. He spent nothing, you know. And so, you know, my thing is, is that if Kanye runs, and I think he is going to run, you know, he has a good chance of, of, <laughs> of making an impact. And the reason why I say this is because, again, now he's starting up his little religious cult, all right? And I've been warning people, Kanye is buying property out in the middle of no damn where, like in Idaho and North Dakota and Wyoming and places like that. He's going to have his own little communities there, and he is now deemed a 501c3, a nonprofit organization. So he knows he's going to have to go through the church to, 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 you know, get to people, but then not only that, it's tax-free, and as I talked about earlier, now they're going to allow these churches to be political action committees, so money will be funneled and funded through these churches, and they don't have to give all the money to the political candidates or to the parties. So, you know, people need to pay attention to what's happening. Now, I'm being a bit facetious with this, but what I'm trying to do is to make people aware that this can happen. This can happen, and they need to pay attention to this. You know, again, I agree with you. As of right now, I'm saying that the orange tater tot, the cheddar tater tot, is going to be reelected, and he is going to make this country pay. The next four years are going to be hell. And we already know this. But I also don't believe, you know, that it would be any better under Buttigieg or Bloomberg or Biden. If I'm going to be honest, you know, and at this point, I believe that Bloomberg is going to eventually end up the DNC nominee because, you know, both parties are for sale to the highest bidder. That's been, you know, that's been proven. And Bloomberg has purchased the the Democratic Party fair and square at this point. And yes, I am a never Buttigieg. I don't give a damn, um, you know, if, if Warren or um, Biden or Sanders or Bloomberg, if any of them are the nominee and they make Buttigieg their VP pick, I'm staying at home then as well. Because, again, with Buttigieg, he is another example of white mediocrity being accepted. And it's accepted as long as they display that mediocrity with confidence. And Buttigieg is a prime example of white people wanting to get their regular white people status back. So what I really mean by that is white people, and I'll put it this way, Buttigieg is the grand marshal, this year's grand marshal of the give non-traditional white people their regular white people status back parade. And what's happening there is people that are from non-traditional, you know, have non-traditional um, um, ideologies or, as they say, lifestyles or what have you. So that would be whether they're LGBTQ, that would be whether they are an atheist, you know, and, 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 you know, those types of things. They want their regular white guy, white girl status back. 
and they want everyone, they're trying to normalize these things, which is fine, because they, it never should, they never should have been outliers in the first place. And when it comes to the LGBTQ community, you know, to a certain degree, you know, people were closeted, but to a certain degree, they were, they were safe to a certain degree. But what happened was when you had these white evangelicals and Southern Baptists take issue, when they took issue with the LGBTQ community, these other communities jumped on that bandwagon, which made it extremely dangerous for these people to be out and to, and to be able to live their authentic lives. But what's happening now is, you know, they're the white gay movement community is doing everything they can to make the, you know, the gay movement palatable to mainstream America, which means, you know, they're putting forth these white faces while not dealing with the racism and the sexism and all those other negative things, even homophobia and transphobia within the LGBTQ community. So, again, they want their regular white people's status back, and that is part of what we're seeing in, in what's happening now. And, yeah, there are going to be some people that take issue with what I said, but I don't give it in because a lot of these people that take issue with these things, they're for sale at, to the highest bidder as well. And most of these, you know, political parties, and you know, they're giving you donations, but it's the lint out of their pocket. So all you're doing is proving to them and to the rest of us that you're the cheap trick we always thought you were. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? And I, I will say when Obama first was elected, if people can recall, there was, I think, every old white rich male landowner um, came on TV mm-hmm. and declared that this was some kind of irregular, irregularity. Uh, and if they just they lost their mind. Uh, yes, they did. Because they could not fathom the idea that a black man Someone other than a rich white male landowner um, was mm-hmm. actually charged, and they couldn't. So, you know, I would even go as far as saying they immediately, immediately began to uh, have this, this 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 plan to redistricting redistricting uh, the United States. Uh, you hear it. You, you, they, you saw it in the 2008. You saw it in, you know, the 2016 elections where they um, they began to, you know, put poll. You know, yeah, gerrymandering, gerrymandering, all kinds of tactics yeah. that excluded people from being a part of the political process. So once you saw all of that taking place, no one saw the writing on the board. So I'll I'll say it like this, ladies and gentlemen. Please understand, the political institution, and it is an institution, is the same as the political presidency. It is an institution. They don't necessarily make a lot of changes. They do. They build upon what the other person does. Um, and it's it's a sad part that we, you know, sad situation that we don't understand this. That these people are building on. You know, they're building on a platform that they have already put together. They've devised it. They know exactly what to do. That's why you don't see the electoral, co- you know, the electoral college disappearing. 
right away. It, it serves a purpose, and it will continue, as long as it continues to serve a purpose, they're not going to get rid of it. You're going to see people who may give you lip service on it because everyone knows that it's wrong. You knew what was wrong when Al Gore lost the race, but you don't see you don't. I don't recall any other president saying well, that's wrong. It's a long process. We need to get rid of it because the founding fathers, from the very beginning, understood what needed to be done. They understood that your vote was too erratic, and that's basically almost word for word what they said. The American right. people's vote is too erratic. We can't rely on you, the people, to vote somebody in. So what we will do is we'll create the system that allows us to vote um, and put your your put a person in pro, in an office that that represents our best interest and the interest of the of the uh, of the United States. So that's what we're we're seeing, and we just keep turning a blind eye to it. Like uh, exactly, come on, wake up. Know know who you're voting for. Know what you're voting for. Um, I always sit, tell people, you know, they say, well, you need to get out and vote for president because you have four years of this person. Look, the electoral college will decide that. You need to also understand <laughs> and know what the electoral college process is. And people have a hard time understanding that, but they don't understand why I tell them that your off-season elections are the ones that count. You need to be able to know who's running for office, your government, the people that have direct effect on you. Uh, we're so caught yeah. up in the federal process and the federal election, we don't look at the governor, your mayor, your prosecutors, your law enforcement, all of those people, your, your school district people, members who run for office. Those are the people that have yep. direct effect on life, and they're the ones right. you're governed. Your first process is government by, governed by, by the state. The state does not have to acknowledge a lot of federal laws. That's why you see a lot of right. states legalizing marijuana. That's why it's so popular now, because states rec- are recognizing it as a, re- uh, a real thing, a way of making money, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to do that. The, the government, federal government decides whether or not they want to prosecute it within the state. That's why you see so many states now having what they call the safe haven. Where people, uh, you know, illegal uh, illegal immigrants are coming, and the states are not willing to turn them over to other to the federal government to ICE. The you know the state the states have what they call states' rights. You know, we exactly. forget that this the whole point. The, the 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 title of our country tells you exactly what it is: the United States of America. These they're a, they're a union of states. They are, they're together by choice. Um, the only time you've seen them try to, to uh, get through something was basically because of the fact that, you know, or the Civil War. I should, let me go. The only reason you saw the Civil War take place is because they wanted to split apart, and the, Abraham Lincoln was the one who said, no, I will not allow you to, to break away from the Union. So right. we need to be more educated on how, you know, again, we should be paying attention to our history class, our civics classes, social studies, all of those things that talk about how we should be as citizens and what we should do as uh, being aware politically and what's going on. We, we, we choose to have that, that blind eye. Right. Exactly. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, and that's why I tell people go back to FDR and the New Deal. 
And it's because of the New Deal that you saw, you know, black people who were voting traditionally Republican at that time. That is when they started crossing over and voting Democrat. You know, it was because of the New Deal and because of the fact that they had been lied to and told that they would be able to participate in the social safety net and and be protected. But when they pushed it down to the states and the states, you know, administered those particular programs, they systemically, you know, it was it, it was structural, you know, racism that allowed them to exclude black, brown, red, and yellow people. Because, I mean, I also want you guys to go and look up the Chinese Exclusion Act and what happened with that and how that came about. Because it's important for you to understand the history to see how everything crossed over, but not just knowing that it crossed over, but knowing what was the impetus behind it. And, you know, and when I talk about Barack Obama, because, you know, what Eric said was true, you know, when he was talking about how these states were trying to succeed from the union and and Lincoln was like, oh, hell no, we're not going to have that. And we're going to have the Civil War. And what people need to understand is that when Lincoln emancipated the slaves, that was done as a um, as a punishment to the southern states. It was done as a punishment, not because he was anti-racist or anti-slavery or anything, because he got drunk the next day and tried to order the slaves back into slavery. You know, but, you know, it was a punishment to the South. And you need to know that and you need to understand that as well, because, yeah. um, uh-huh. Oh, no, I just wanted to add to that, because we, we uh-huh. often – like I said, he's known as the great emancipator, and people need to also understand, and this is another lesson in, in history, Lincoln freed the slaves through the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation basically, like you said, it freed slaves who were in the Confederate South. Keep in mind that there right. were states within the Union that were still slave states. This law, this decree did not apply to them, and a lot of people don't exactly. realize that, that there was this. It wasn't that he was freeing the slaves in the South, I mean, freeing all slaves. He didn't do that. The 13th Amendment did that. He freed right. slaves in the South who were in states that belonged to the Confederacy. So he basically said... As a punishment. Yeah, as a punishment. You group of slaves who are in an area that are um, that are occupied, who, who basically said, we don't want to, we don't want to be a part of the Union, you don't have to be a part of you don't have to be a part of that anymore. You're free. Now they had they was which did nothing for anybody. And at that time, if you really want to be honest, it didn't do because if I'm in in the Confederate South and we're pulling away from the Union, it didn't mean I could walk away from the slaves. One, two. Again, it did not apply to the slaves who were in. Uh, who were in who were all who were in states that were slave states in within the union. So you still had that. And then the other part of that was slavery still continued after the thirteenth amendment, after the emancipation. And you hear about that. That's why you have blacks who celebrate Juneteenth. Because right. of the fact that even after slaves were free, you still maintain slavery. As a matter of fact, there was slavery still or in the form of peonage all the way going right. into the early early mid 1900s so you know we need to again be aware of the political process that's being put in front of you making it sound sweet to you at the time if you sometimes if you pull back the layers of the onion 
it, it really will make you cry. Exactly. And there have been articles that have come out that in all actuality, in certain places in the South, there were some people still in slavery up until the 60s. I'm talking 1960s. And that information is starting to come out. They were being threatened. They were being killed. Um, I'm going to look for some of those articles and I'm going to post it, right? But it's important for people to understand that. You know, what Eric was saying was absolutely true. You know, you need to go back and read you know, read about this history. Um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is considered a northern city, they were considered the Selma of the North. That is how much racism that was happening in Milwaukee in the state of Wisconsin. You know, and so that's why we come to you and we tell you about these things because, you know, a lot of this gets lost in the process, you know, and, and, you know, when we had Red Ninja calling in, he would talk about how he didn't learn about these things until he went to college and he paid for the courses, right? But, you know, you have someone like me, I ain't got nothing else to do but read all day and then come and yak and tell you about it, right? And that's why I'm like, pay me. Send me some money. It's some good stuff that I want to bring out and that I want to bring up and have these people on the show, you know, whether it's going to be this one or one of the other ones that I'm going to, you know, start up. But it's important for you guys to know this history. And especially, you know, going back to what we were saying about Barack Obama being elected into office. See, you know, many of the white people that voted for Barack Obama, what happened was they wanted a get-out-of-racism purgatory free card. So they elected Obama. And they figured that this was their way of giving reparations back to black people without having to unass some money and apologizing for a system that was designed to keep us as a permanent underclass and living in poverty. You need to understand that this wealth inequality gap was done on purpose, and they're not addressing it for reasons. This is why when I talk about the black black codes and Jim Crow and all of that, we are still living in that. You know, you know, taking away the vote for black people, you know, suppressing the black vote, putting, you know, poll taxes, you know, all of these things that are happening, you know, and that are happening now, it was happening then. It's just that now, you know, no one is calling it, you know, black codes or Jim Crow, but that's what the fuck it is. And I need for you to yep. understand that. And, and people are creatures of habit. And this is why I tell people to to be careful with these white allies and some of these people that claim to be our friends and to be for us, because what happens is they'll, you know, they'll encourage us to collaborate with them, to work with them, to, you know, to defend them and to do all of these things until they get what they want, or you do something to piss them off. And what happens is they turn on the black, brown, or the black people, the non-black people of color, right? And it's happening now, and it's going to happen with much more vitriol and violence coming soon. Because, again, people are creatures of habit, and it always ends up that way. So that's why I'm telling people to be careful. I'm not saying don't work for other people. Yeah, work with other people, but I need for you to think twice as well. Because, um, you know, there are some people out there, again, self-serving, hedonists, self-serving opportunists that are out there. But, you know, there's a reason for many of the things that they do. 
So again, you know, they figured that electing Obama was going to, you know, be their way of, you know, giving us reparations without having to compensate us or any type of remuneration, right? And that's what's happening of them. And so now what's interesting is um, a lot of the white people now, a lot of the anger <laughs> and the uprisings that you see that you see happening now is because many of them are now living in the seventh circle of hell with black people and non-black people of color. And they want out. And their so-called savior, Donald Trump, Cheddar Tater Tot, will not save them. He's not going to save them, and many of them have not figured this out. That's why I posted that article about the Dale tolling for white folks, because they still ain't figured out that, you know, there's a lot of doublespeak going on out here. You know, you hated Obamacare, but you loved your Affordable Care Act. It's the same damn thing. You want to get rid of food stamps, but don't touch your link or your disability. It's all part of the same social safety net. And so what's happening is, you know, not only is their savior, the you know, the cheddar tater tot not going to save them, he's trying to find more white people to send down to the seventh circle of hell with the rest of us. So, you know, finding and creating more angry white people who are upset because they're not rich and they're never going to be rich, they're not in charge, they're never going to be in charge, but they're trying to make it so that the minority of white people will be able to control the majority. That's what a lot of this is about. So that's why when, you know, when Eric was talking about the, you know, the um, redistricting and the gerrymandering and the vote suppression and all of that, that has all been put in place so that white people who are the minority, that they continue to control everything. This is why you hear them saying that they want their country back. That's how we got the Tea Party and all of that. And, oh, yeah, going talking about the Tea Party, you know, um, Buttigieg, you know, gave a talk to the Tea Party, and also he had this T-shirt that said, breathe easy. So that what he was trying to do in his own way was pander to the black residents of South Bend, but also pander to the police department, right? And they had that T-shirt, breathe easy. And basically they were saying, if you don't break any laws, you'll be able to breathe easy, which was, you know, a mockery or them ridiculing what happened to Eric Garner in New York City when he said, I can't breathe. And, you know, those are two of the, you know, two examples of one of the reasons why I don't support Pete Buttigieg and what he's, happen- what, what he's you know, about in his candidacy. But, yeah, this white, you know, this violent white pathology team is, you know, man, you know, they're being sent to us. And, again, you know, we've created wealth. Black people know how to create wealth. There were many prosperous black cities, right? You know, where Central Park, New York is, you know, that area where Central Park, they used to be a very prosperous, wealthy black community. And it was bulldozed to create Central Park. Look at what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina. You have, you know, Rosewood, you have Tulsa, Black Wall Street, all of that, and many, many more examples. So what happens is, and this even happened during slavery, where you would have the white people, the poor white people, you know, basically having these uprisings and rebellions and fighting the slaves because the slaves had the jobs. 
You know, and then there were cases where they worked with slaves in some of the uprisings. There were so many uprisings and rebellions happening in this country. They've been they've been basically hiding that history, and all of that is starting to come out. And these are some of the things that I'm going to be talking about on you know in, on future shows. But again, I'm scaling this show back. We're going to put it on Patreon, and like I said, you know, you can send me some money, or you cannot. And then you can go and read the book and read some articles of someone else who's talking about it. And that's fine, you know, but I need some support for this show because there are some things that I want to do. And, you know, a lot of it I'll be, you know, sharing with you guys. And so, and, you know, we've been on since 2011 and I, I don't ask for money, but I feel like I should be paid for my labor as of this point. You know, and for those of you that have been, you know, with us for a while, you know, I put most of the money back into the community. Pretty much everything that I've gotten, I've put back into the community. The few times they were able to lure me out the house to come and give a talk, I didn't, it was never given to me. I had to make the checks out to other folks. So, you know, I do have integrity. And and I do uphold that integrity. But, again, there are some projects that I want to do. There's some new equipment and things that I need to get, some software I need to get, and these things cost money, right? And, you know, some people are like, well, you got your own money. Yeah, you know, but I'm also disabled and I'm sick. Do you know how expensive it is to be chronically ill? You know, the medication, the insurance, because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have Medicare. They won't give it to me. I'll take it if they gave it to me. Hell, I'll take Section 8 and food stamps, too, if they gave it to me, but that's never going to happen. So, you know, again, you know, going back, you know, these people, these white people, these angry white people, they're being tricked. And they're being tricked into believing that black people and non-black people of color are the problem. And they're not the problem. It's the ruling class. It's these elite white folk that have the money. And there are some black people that are in that 2%, that are in the 2%. You know, there's very few of them up there, but there's a couple of them up there. But, again, you know, you'll have people coming to us and saying, well, look at Oprah, look at Michael Jordan and all of these people. They are the exception and not the rule. And, you know, even um, Hubert Henry Harrison said that the touchstone of America is the condition of the black community. You know, and he got that from Karl Marx. And look at what's happening in the black communities. I mean, people don't want to accept this, but America pretty much has turned into a damn third world country. And we need you to pay attention to what's going on. And the global economy and, 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 and you know, and go back to TPP and what that stood for and what was going to happen behind that. And how basically the American public is being played. Because they already think that you're stupid and that you, you know, that you have the attention span of a gnat. So they take advantage of you and take you for granted. You know, what do you think, Eric? I I agree with you. I was about to say, you, you, we again, I really think we need to be more educated in, in the process of of the of the political process and where, how it's how we're being used and played, um, it, there's no other way around it to, yeah. to even say it in a nice way. It's it, you're used, you're especially people of color. If you haven't recognized that, when it's time for votes, then all of a sudden 
we're their friends. We are a part of the process. Uh, and you don't know how this is this works and what what goes on in the process. You're being played on a regular basis by people who, again, who aren't your friends. They are people who are looking for looking for your vote. And that's all they want is your vote. And once they get it, they're gone. They're right. not looking to come back and say, hey, we know who you are. We want to support you. We want to do whatever we can to uh, to make sure things are right. No, they just want your vote, and then they're gone, and they have no intention of ever saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to make sure your community is okay, you know. If you were that concerned about the community, things would be different. Uh, I, I, I'll say this and going back to what you were talking about with, you know, prosperous black community, then I got to go because I got somebody who just came to the house. I didn't even realize they were going to show up. Um, but like you talked about, the black prosperous, the prosperous black community, we need to really research that. You talked about Rosewood and also people are always – you know, referring back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, people should be aware that those places are just, you know, those two places are just two of many uh, places mm-hmm. where blacks lived and thrived, only because we weren't allowed to be a part of the American system society. Because, again, the thought was we would not be able to make it on our own. And in most many cases, some of the programs that you see in, in that are working now, like supplemental insurance, supplemental services for people, for farmers and all these other, we put those programs together for us to support our communities. You know, uh, that's something that we have not fully understood when it comes to dealing with our this government. This government, like you said earlier, this government was not, we are, we succeed through as a byproduct. These programs right. are never meant for people of color. They're not meant. For, they were not, you know. And at the time, we were the second second class citizens. We we were not meant to have the GI Bill and all these other programs that all that are offered into it. As a matter of fact, the person who came up with you know housing for GIs and all this other stuff, if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't even allowed to do it because he wasn't a white considered white. So exactly. Uh, you know, but again, all I can say is be educated. Be educated about this process. Be educated about the systems of government that are in place and how how race is used as a, as a pawn and how people of color are being used as, as pawns in this process. But uh, Kim, I thank you. I'm, I got to go. I got somebody. Like I said, I have company, but I, I, I enjoy thoroughly enjoy your show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tell them how they can find you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, you Right now, you can just find me right here, because that's the only okay. place I'm, <laughs> I'm doing anything. Um, so, but when, when that time comes and I'm back on, I'll, I'll definitely come back and stop through and let you know where I can be found. Definitely. And, and we'll go right. from there. All right, Eric, okay. well, thank you for calling in. I always appreciate you and the conversation, and we're looking forward to having you back and joining you in your endeavors as well. But you enjoy your Sunday, dear, okay? I will. Thank you, and I'll talk to you later. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Cool. Bye-bye.
So yeah, you guys, um, that's what's happening there. You know, it's a lot going on, and basically, you know, we're just here trying to educate you and encourage you to understand the process and what's happening and your role in the process and how you're being, you know, ad- taken advantage of and you're being used. And 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 you know, it's not the easiest thing to hear. It's not the easiest thing to hear. No one wants to feel like they've been used or, you know, that they've been disregarded or that they had been um, basically just a pawn in the game, like Eric was saying. But it's true. That has been happening, and it will continue to happen if you if you refuse to educate yourself. So, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, again, welcome to the seventh circle of hell. The white people don't like it down here. We don't like it down here either. But one thing we do know how to do is survive. So, you know, we're still waiting for this economy to settle to where it really should be. And I just say pay attention. Let's wait for the leapers. When you start seeing white people leaping off buildings, primarily white men, wealthy white men or formerly wealthy white men, that is going to let you know what's happening, you know, not only leaping off of buildings, but killing their entire family, all of that, you know, and I don't understand why it hasn't happened yet, why it hasn't adjusted itself or readjusted itself, but that's coming. And white people, we know how to survive, you know, these types of situations. We know how to survive with pretty much almost nothing. White people don't know how to survive that. And unfortunately, again, you are going to have many of them that are going to look for for us and look to us and come and take it if they want it. You know, if they can't bully it out of you or convince you to share with them, they're just going to take whatever the hell they want anyway. So it's just, you know, like I said, you need to pay attention. So, again, progressive Democrats, a swarm of flies, you know, the progressives, the Democrats, a swarm of flies, you know, throw those blue dogs, you know, those blue Democrats in there, throw those libertarians in there, you know, those moderate Democrats, all of that. The Democratic Party is shifting more and more to the right. They're shifting more and more to where they used to be which is why they are so desperate to get those voters that voted for Trump, people that, you know, have been disenfranchised in their own way, disaffected, however you want to categorize that. That is who they're appealing to, and it's the reason why they're going after that particular, you know, class of people, that group of people. And again, when you hear them say working class people and middle class people, when you hear these politicians and these media people say that, They're talking about white people. So it's important that you understand, you know, the meaning behind some of the terminology and some of the language. It's extremely important that you guys understand that. So, I mean, hey, there it is. You know, we're down to our last minute and change. But, you know, again, join us next week. And, again, I'm going to be talking about, you know, how Donald Trump and the Republicans – and Daryl Scott, that whole contingent of people, and how trying to woo black voters, you know, giving them money, you know, giving them positions. I mean, I mean, I mean even look at Bloomberg. Bloomberg is paying field organizers six thousand dollars a month 
to canvas neighborhoods. That's a lot of money, $6,000 a month to go out and knock on doors and make telephone calls and, and tweet and shit. But again, it's about he who has the money makes the rules, right? And that is what we're dealing with. You know, and again, he's purchasing the Democratic Party fair and square. You know, he wants their money. So anyway, go back and look at those articles, Consequences of Perceiving God as a White Man. New study shows that racism may shorten the lives of black Americans, how a racist president is trying to woo black voters, Black professor unleashes flood of white tears after an on-air clash ensues when guest says the British Empire wasn't all bad. Beware of those drag-happy allies who thrive on public attention. And dear white people, the bill is tolling for you. All right, so this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, we are here to challenge you to live and think for yourself. We are black free thinkers, but we are not the Kanye and Candace Owens kind. Vote for the worst, 2024, Kanye for president. Yay. Take care. Have a good Sunday, everybody.